Welcome to Message Received. In this Coffee Break episode, Tim chats to Deborah Abbott, founder and CEO of Leading Dragons. Deborah is passionate about enabling leaders and their teams to be better in order to do better. Deborah shares insights and provides listeners with practical tips in this great discussion. Hello and welcome to Message Received. I'm Tim Ferguson, your host today for this episode, and I'm really excited to be in conversation with Deborah Abbott. Hello, Deborah. Hello, Tim. How are you? Thank you for having me. Well, thank you very much for joining. To set the table, what I'd like to do is introduce you. We're going to get into leading dragons and we're going to get into your work, which hinges on three important words, purpose, growth and action, from what I can see. But I'd like to introduce our listeners to you and make sure that they can locate you on the map. So who's Deborah Abbott and what do we need to know about you to understand the work you're doing today? I'm sitting in Switzerland in between Geneva and Lausanne. Originally, I'm born and bred in, in London, England. I've actually done my schooling in three separate countries. So uh, from the UK, we, we left when I was 11, moved to Germany for three years, where I continued my schooling and learned the language, and then moved to France, where I finished off. So I've always had this attraction to, uh, to traveling and this curiosity to discovering new places and meeting new people. I'm curious about language. I'm remarkably unilingual. I'm a Canadian. I also live in Switzerland, but English is my one and only language. And I'd love to hear you talk about that a little bit, the experience of learning and speaking other languages. And what does that passport give you almost to the insight to other cultures? It's very curious about that. Language is not just words. It's also a reflection and an understanding of differences and how people from uh, speaking that language appreciate different things and and go about their daily lives slightly differently and see things from different perspectives. So that really brought me to open my mind at an early age and to understand that there was not one way or the highway. And so it has been a passport to working when I was still working in, in my corporate life working at CERN, so the European Centre of Nuclear Research here in Geneva, and also other international organisations, OECD, where I worked as well. The first 10 years of my career were based on project management and contract management. And that work, what was satisfying about what that work? What was interesting about that work? Oh, that work is, is bringing people together, negotiating and building, building new projects. I want to switch now into more into the here and now. And when people Google Deborah Abbott Leading Dragons, they come to your beautiful website, Leading Dragons. It's mm-hmm. such an intriguing name, conjures many images in my mind. I would love to know what you mean by it and why did you choose to, to call what you're doing Leading Dragons? I founded Leading Dragons in early 2020, and that was on the back of two years of Taoist guidance and Taoist teachings. In Taoism, the dragon is the symbol of the spirit. It seems, Tim, you know, today that we've forgotten that we're body, mind and spirit. It's in the space of the spirit that we can tap into our intuitive sense. And it's the place where innovation happens, where breakthrough thinking happens, where perspectives shift. How can we go about bringing the spirit into organizations as well? What are the questions 
that companies need to be asking inside uh, themselves. How can they move away from, you know, step out of their comfort zone, step out of their comfort thinking and really ask the right questions? So for someone who does step outside the comfort zone, maybe step into the spirit zone a little more, and they do give themselves that moment for self-inquiry, what kind of questions am I likely to be asking myself if I'm, if I'm more about my spirit than, than otherwise? We say that organizations don't change, people do. And also change is an inside job. So we, just like you say, Tim, we have to start with ourself, building that self-awareness. We all have fears, doubts, and, and worries, and being aware of the way that you are in yourself, if you're feeling contracted, then have that conversation. Why am I worried about X? Why do I fear Y? And how can I work through that? It's so relevant to the Teams, Zoom, Google, the, uh, the virtual world where so joining all of these different organizations and teams that we work with as our clients, you get on one call and it's like one set of energy. You leave and you go on to another call and it's a completely different feeling. And some of them, in my mind, it's like a high wire act. Like it's a highly charged call where every person seems stressed out versus another call where uh, people are joking. It's free flowing conversation. They're dealing with the real issues, but they're dealing with it in a lighthearted manner. Is this the kind of practical outcome? How would you describe the benefits for someone who is a little bit, um, this sounds a little bit like what I would do on Sunday, not what I would do during the week at work. What do you say to all that? I talked about self-awareness and it's also awareness about um, the environment, the work environment that you are nurturing as a leader. What is it that you're encouraging? What is it that you're discouraging? What behaviors are you tolerating? You brought up two examples, very contrasting examples. And the common denominator here is culture. The leader does have that responsibility to lead and to set the tone. What is the kind of tone? What are the meetings that he or she want to have with the team? Do they want to just yes people around the table? Okay, fine. Then so be it. Then they're going to have quite a sterile conversation. Whereas if the leader was to say, no, I'd love to, I, I'm not the one, I don't have all the answers. And I, I know that some people in the team are better than I am at whatever skills. Great. And let's lift each other up together. Well, that's it. You're going to have a complete, the set of tone is completely different. And then the conversation and the way of direction that it will go in will be very vastly different. And I know that we're, we're supposed to be very um, open-minded about cultural differences, and I, I hope that I am. When I think of corporate culture, however, I do believe that there's sort of a right kind of culture and a not right kind of culture. Am I being uh, judgmental and biased? Am I simply sh showing my bias? No, not at all. I think it's a great question. And it's like the macroeconomic environment that we work in. It's volatile. Things are moving all the time. What a team might need in January could be quite different to what they will need in May, could be quite different again to what they need in November in terms of leadership style on a collective level and also on an individual level. Taking that time to, to pause and listen to each one individually and collectively, it goes back to culture each and every time. What are the conversations that we need to be having as a team? Because each and every individual team member is individually and collectively accountable. 
And that's why I enable high-performing teams, because high-performing teams are the happy teams. They're the teams that work together in flow. And they're doing that consciously, and they've done that because they've gone through that process. If I was to ask you, Tim, what is, what's a high-performing team to you? I think a high-performing team would be, one, they'd be accomplishing a goal that they could not accomplish any other way than as a team. They would have unique roles, diverse roles. They would have a shared set of standards that they're adhering to and holding each other accountable to, and that they're achieving very high results. They don't just feel good about each other. They actually, they win more World Cups than non-high-performing teams. And maybe the last thing would be that they do all this with an esprit de corps that allows them to do it again tomorrow sort of thing, something like that. Yeah, I love that. I love that definition. It energizes them to be working together. The word um, synchronicity comes to mind. When a team that's high performing, they know each other. They spend 80% of their energy and time working in flow and only 20% on relationships. Whereas an under or a dysfunctional team, they would be spending a lot less time in workflow and a lot more energy in figuring out how to overcome or resolve this conflict or trying to understand where they fit, what their role is, how to work together. So there's all that kind of education piece to get to before the team then really truly works in flow and in synchronicity. So no, it's not just fun and games, but it is fun and it's hard work. And it's that commitment um, as a team member to bring your best self to the team. You have a, a phrase that goes along the lines of, we are not human doings, we are human beings. Where my mind goes, and, and we're, we're touching on it here with this relationship between our team spirit and our outcomes, I'm all about us being better human beings. But I know that what we get measured on is our doings. How do you reconcile those two or, or how do you see the relationship between those two? It's an art. It's a balancing act between being a human being and being a human doing. So what does a human doing do? It's about making things happen. And, and I like to say that energy is the ability to change. So it's really moving into that into action. So that's the human doing piece. I'm going to say, however, it depends where we are as human beings. When we make decisions from a contracted energetic space, the decisions look very different than when we are operating from a space of courage, of inspiration, of empowerment, of acceptance. So we do also need to sit with ourselves. We need to allow to reconnect with our inner selves, our intuition, to realign with our purpose and who we are. And also in order to, to innovate, because that's where, where we can break through you know, the old thinking patterns and the old doing patterns. So if I'm taking more care of my human being and my human being is in a good place, so if I'm in a place of generosity and patience and courage and truthfulness, then my human doings, which are going to come, I've, I've got to get stuff done. It'll be of higher quality. I'll make better choices. Yeah, decision making is vastly different when we are thinking and feeling from that place, that contracted space. We all have those moments, right, throughout the day of, of anxiety or doubt or fear or some kind of fear. That's absolutely fine. And that's where we need to pause. You talk a lot about quality of decisions. So what, what's the difference between decisions I'm making when I'm focused more on being versus decisions that I make when I'm focused more on doing? 
good, you know, informed decisions, I believe, are those that are, have been reflected upon, especially in, in the workplace. We need to not only decide quickly and swiftly, but also often make decisions in an uncertain landscape. And working with ambiguity does typically frighten us. We don't really like ambiguity. We don't like uncertain outcomes. And yet this is the place that we need to all move to and spend more time in. I was describing to a client uh, the other day, we, we were talking about their situation. And the analogy that we landed on was, it's like they as an organization are a ship in the ocean and each member of the team is a crew on that ship. And the ocean is in an unbelievable storm. They can't stop the storm. Like no amount of meditation, no amount of yoga in the morning or going for a run, none of that is going to change the fact of the of the ocean but it is going to make you much more able as a team to navigate your, that ship and to feel uh, maybe excited or exhilarated by the experience versus completely terrified it's not like we can make the world perfect by being better human beings but we can make our navigation through the world much more helpful to ourselves and others if we do if i can't change the outside world what can i change what is my circle of influence and what can I do from that inside piece to, like you say, better navigate the storm? There are storms. And in fact, going back to the leading dragon, the leading dragon steps aside of the chaos, stepping aside of that chaos and going, OK, what is it that I can do in my power? How can I step into my power, realign with myself and enable other people to do the same? It's about me. I'm a dragon. I'm, I'm a leading dragon, but also, no, I'm a leader of dragons. I help to tame them, I guess, somehow and, and get the best from their magical, wonderful powers and not have them go off and destroy the village. Is it something like that? Exactly. And we are all equally accountable. When we leave that room, when we leave that table, the decisions that we've taken is a collective or our collective decisions. As we move out of away from the table and back to the workspace where we're going to be or human doings, what are we going to be doing to ensure that that accountability, I mean, this is the thing, it comes back to culture, organizational, team culture. What is it that we've agreed collectively and how far does our accountability go? Say, for example, you and I are a, a part of a team and Tim, you're, you've got an overload, you've got a, some, some work overload. I could either say, oh, well, Tim, that's your problem. I, don't, I, I, can't, I really can't help you with that. Or I can say, look, Tim, I'm here as part of the team. I'm with you. Let's figure out a way to solve this together. So it's, it's about looking after each other as well as looking, looking after ourselves. So it's that balance. Well, I think that's a, a great place to, to close the conversation. So, Deborah, our podcast is called Message Received. So as a parting message that, that you hope will stay in the minds of our listeners, what, what comes to mind? What would you like to leave them with? I would say be kind. Be kind to yourself and others one day at a time. That is a great message. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And it's been a real pleasure. Tim, thank you very much. The pleasure was mutual. Thank you for listening to Message Received. We hope you enjoyed this series. Please follow us to find out what comes up next in the next series.